Welcome to the SCA Lectures podcast series, brought to you by Olam Specialty Coffee, connecting roasters to the finest specialty green coffees. The following is a talk presented live at the 2017 Global Specialty Coffee Expo, the largest annual gathering of specialty coffee professionals. All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Automation in Roasting, Modern Efficiency versus Manual Engagement. Um, this is uh, our presenters today are Christian Rotsko uh, from Farmer Brothers, uh, Marley Benefield, consultant at Gather Coffee Company, um, Olivia Miles, director of education at uh, the lab by Royal, and Chris Weiser, the Weezer, uh, the coffee quality manager and assistant green buyer from Phil's. Awesome. Let's give it up. Cool. Thanks, Matt. Um, Thank you for gathering with us today. Uh, our panel and I have, you know, gathered together and to talk about this topic, you know, several several times for, over the last few months. And so, we're glad that you're uh, sharing um, your time with us. So, thank you. And um, just to kind of thank you for the introduction. I'm going to do a little bit more extended introduction to our panel, just so you'll kind of know where we're coming from, uh, based upon the topic that we're going to be talking about today. Um, so, so Marley has, uh, at the end here, Marley, <laughs> she has a background uh, as being the United States uh, sales representative for geese and coffee roasters for several years. And so um, part of the reason why I was so excited to have her on the, the panel was she's talked with a lot of different roasters over the years about what they want out of a roaster and, and their operations. And she's also now a consultant with Gather Coffee, so she brings a lot just to the table in terms of that kind of uh, experience. Uh, Christian here is the roast master at uh, Farmer Brothers, but he also has a background at Intelligentsia and Barefoot uh, being uh, the head roasters there. And so, um, so he just has a lot of experience on both small roasters and, and you know, very large uh, roasters, which is uh, fantastic for our purposes. And Miles has a uh, background with Blue Bottle and Allegro, and now at uh, Royal New York, and just has a lot of experience just hands-on roasting, but also from an education uh, level. And before um, before I went to Phil's, I was head roaster at Equator Coffees, where we would uh, have manual roasters as well as automated roasters. So that's a little bit uh, of my background. When I was thinking about putting a panel together for this topic, what I wanted was practitioners that have roasted on manual machines and automated machines in a production roasting context. But I also wanted educators and people that were had proven to be excellent roasters. And so that's that's kind of where we, we got the people that's up on this panel here because they've been hands-on in the kind of environments that you might find yourself in. Um, and I don't think we're, uh, any of us are super extroverts, and so it's, <laughs> it's kind of fun to have us all up on the panel uh, talking. Uh, but what I didn't want to do is have um, manufacturers um, talking about this because I wanted to provide a safe space for us to think about this topic. And what I mean by safe is not like it wouldn't have been safe with a manufacturer, but know that we're not trying to sell you anything and we're just trying to share our experience with you and, and hopefully that experience will um, help you in your operations. Um, 
So before we um, get into it, I, I just wanted to talk about why we would have a lecture on this. And, and basically, I just wanted to, like I said, have a safe space where we can think about this and so that you can ask questions. And so hopefully we can think through uh, your context uh, together and maybe help each other out. Um, just kind of as a preface for this lecture, we, we fully understand that everyone's situation is different. And it depends on, you know, your company, on what's best for it. And so we're not trying to come at this as, like, we think you should do this or that. We're just trying to say this is what we've seen, uh, both the good and, and bad of, of automation. And hopefully that will inform maybe a future decision or even your current context. How many people in this room are roasting with automated machines right now? You just raise your hand. Okay. And how many people are thinking about adding that kind of technology in the future? Raise your hand, too. Okay, cool. Fantastic. That's great. Um, so before we get into um, more of the topic that we'll you know, get into in terms of the layout of uh, the lecture, I want to kind of give an overview of what we'll be talking about. Uh, first, we'll look at what is automation. I'll kind of break down a few different types, and we'll look at the context in which we've seen automation to be effective. We'll look at its impact on production. We'll look at approaches uh, to um, the operation when you use an automated machine and uh, the human impact of having roasters use recorded profiles. So let's go to the next slide. What is automation? Uh, essentially what we uh, view automation is is the ability for your roaster to record a roast profile and for you to be able to save it and for you to be able to replicate that profile in the future. Now how that looks is very different from machine to to machine in terms of what it's recording and what it's, what it's repeating for, um, for future roasts. Um, one thing that is uh, the case for all the automated machines is that you can still roast in manual. In fact, you'll have to roast in manual in order to record that initial roast profile that you'd like to save. Some manufacturers uh, make their machines with automation built in. In some of them, it's an added-on feature that can cost over $10,000. And when you get into commercial machines, which some of us are roasting on, part of that automation process is that it drops the coffee from the hopper into the roaster as part of the profile, and then it releases the coffee into the cooling tray as, as part of that automation and even some of them will quench the coffee for you, so you can t you know, put that into your automation as well. For the smaller roasters, it doesn't really have that you know, functionality where the coffee drops into the roaster and releases. You do that automatically, but what, once it's in the drum, then it takes over. Um, so another question that has come up as we've thought through this topic is, um, is all automation the same? And I think the answer that we've come up with is functionally no, not all automation is the same. Different manufacturers are doing different things, and it's changing all the time like technology does. And so I, I wanted to break down just a few different types of automation that, that we have seen. 
And this is something that I, I kind of put together I was, as I was talking to the different manufacturers, just trying to see um, kind of the different themes. All right, well, just kind of <laughs> no more daylight. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's all good. Yes, that, that happened automatically. That's, that's part of our, our rim vibe profile that we recorded earlier. Um, so three common types of automation. Now, this is the part of the lecture that might get a little bit technical. Most of our lecture is really practical and experience-oriented, but we'll, we'll have to get into a little technicality just because this is kind of the nature of the topic. So just kind of bear with me as I walk through these different types. The first one is machine variables recorded time. Now, when I say machine variables, what I mean there, it's at the bottom, if you can see this on the screen at the bottom, burner percentage, air percentage, and sometimes the drum speed. So that's, those are kind of the machine variables that I'm referring to. So the first one is machine variables recorded time. And with this technology, essentially, uh, when you record your roast, it is uh, looking at the kind of adjustments you made to the machine while you, you roasted. And so uh, if you record that roast and hit play, it's just going to replicate the variables that you adjusted on the roaster through the duration of your roast time. And so if you are at six minutes into your roast and your burner percentage was 90%, it's going to replicate that. So it's not looking at the bean temperature or the bean probe, it's just looking at those variables. So, you know, when you think about that, it's like, okay, if you're roasting on a machine that retains a lot of heat, your roast time could look very different from the beginning of the day to the end of the day if, if you use, you know, this technology. Um, so the next type of technology I want to look at is machine variables and temperature set points. So this involves the uh, burner or fan adjusting um, to different percentages based upon the readings of the beam probe at different set points. So let's say at 345 degrees, um, you have it set to where um, the burner is at 80% or 70% and the air goes to a certain percentage, but it's not looking at necessarily the time, but where the bean is and it's adjusting the roaster variables based upon the bean temperature. So it's, it's a little bit different uh, than the first one in that sense. Um, so again, this doesn't care about time at all. And so your roast times can vary, but it's going to, every time it hits these set points with the bean temperature, it'll make the adjustments that you recorded on the initial roast profile. The last one is machine variables um, based upon the beam probe and recorded time. Now this starts to get a little bit technical. But so basically what happens here is you record your roast profile initially. And the machine is recording the data that comes in, um, which is, in this case, what the beam probe temperature was doing based upon the duration of the roast. And so what the machine is thinking about or, or the control panel is, okay, at six minutes into the roast, the bean temperature was at this, this degree, like 300 degrees or whatever. And it's going to, when you hit play for future roasts, it's going to adjust the burner and the air and potentially the drum 
to get you to have that same bean temperature at any given point during the row. So it's really replicating a bean temperature profile. Does that make sense? Um, so that's a different type of technology. And so when you hit play um, on this type of technology, the burner percentage might be very different than what you had originally recorded because its only focus is to get that bean temperature to be the same that it was when you recorded it based upon the duration of the roast. So anyway, um, that's more, a little more interactive. That's, that's kind of what we see a lot of the technology moving toward uh, with the interaction with the bean probe and the variables of the roaster. So that's not all the types of technology, but I think that's the, the most common that, that we see. Um, the first one that we talked about is a little bit more old school, but it still exists. And the one at the end is, is kind of getting into um, a little bit more of what we're seeing the manufacturers kind of move toward these days. So next, we're going to uh, talk with our panel and think about um, the context, uh, which one might, when would you might want to consider automation in, in your roasting context. So first, we'll talk with Miles and just kind of wanted to get your thoughts on what is the attitude um, in the industry toward automation and roasting? Right. Um, well, as you thank you. As you were mentioning before, we've we've been working on the lecture for a couple months now, and um, it's been really great because in uh, my position being more education based um, with roasting, um, we've I've gotten a chance to do some kind of small scale polls and um, for both coffee professionals that have been in the industry. Um, for a couple of years, and then also newer folks entering into the industry, making that jump to, to start buying a roaster or exploring um, what type they might want to purchase. Um, and the, the topic of automation currently, I've, I've found it's, it's pretty polarizing. Um, I found that uh, there are some folks that have had firsthand experience with uh, automation in their roast process and usually are a little bit more warmed up to the topic. Um, and I think on that the opposite side of that same coin, we also have... Um, some that view automation uh, in the roast process as sort of a, a removal of uh, the craft aspect or of um, uh, the, the sort of romance uh, behind roasting. Um, I think a lot of us can associate with, with that one-on-one -on -one, uh, relationship. It's a very intimate relationship with your machine and with the coffee as well as a roaster. Um, I, I almost wonder, and I'm, I'm sure I have a habit of jumping ahead in the lecture a little bit, but I, I know we're going to explore the topic uh, a bit on uh, whether there, there possibly can be a, a new romance, if that's going to shape shift into something more rooted in uh, data collection or profile creation, um, as we do see uh, automation possibly becoming more and more uh, common and coming with, with more roasters. Um, just something that I'm generally curious about. But yeah, yeah. those are that, those are kind of the two uh, kind of general, very polar <laughs> thoughts yeah, of, of automation absolutely. and roasting that, that I feel like we've currently pretty common yeah absolutely yeah yeah and like most most uh, topics in the coffee industry sometimes people have very strong opinions on yeah. so that's just good uh yeah. so marley and you guys might need to pull that mic in a little bit i don't know if that how hot that is but uh marley for smaller operations would something like cropster be sufficient just from a profile perspective yeah um i mean the short answer is yes, I think so, for some roasters. Of course, every single roaster has their own personality and situation, so maybe not every single one. Um, 
But yeah, I mean, if your goal as a smaller roaster is just to have more consistency and more kind of data collection, then you manually operating the roaster but following a roast curve that you have created, um, which is like what roast log, cropster, some of those other... Um, uh, some of those other software companies out there, um, yeah, I think I think so. And I would encourage newer roasters, um, people who are just starting out in roasting, or those who are maybe have been roasting for a, a company and then now they're kind of starting out on their own. So they've been roasting, but they're roasting in a new environment or on a new machine to actually manually roast for. A while to get the feel of the machine. There's nothing like roasting a thousand roasts manually to really understand what's happening with coffee and what's happening with with your machine and your environment um, before you start creating profiles and automation. So, yes, I, I think so for smaller companies. Okay, cool. Like automation light. <laughs> automation light, yeah. 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 And, and Marley, what, what do you think might be a main reason why people might choose automation over manual? Um, I think the biggest reason that people have in their mind when they choose to move in the area of automation is consistency. That's what I think most people think of. And we, mm-hmm. we'll talk a little bit more about is that actually the case? Is it more consistent right. um, or is it more efficient? But I think that's what most people, kind of the crux of their decision is they want their coffee to be more consistent. And I think one of the main reasons, too, is if you have a larger company with a lot of roaster operators and they're all roasting the same coffee but on different days or different coffees and you start to get a lot of inconsistency and there are not a lot of um, there's not a lot of training built into your company then I think that could become detrimental so it, it, that might be a time to maybe implement some automation yeah Christian what do you think about that at context do you think people might choose automation hello guys Everybody in the crowd. Um, I think really there's three ways to look at this. And, you know, some of this is, you know, you're going to see is overlapping. Um, But if you really think about what automated roasting is, it's essentially tied into manual roasting. Because you're setting, you know, dependent, regardless of which style of automation you have, you're setting the points at which the coffee or the the machine roasts that coffee. So if you're sitting there with a gas lever or you're sitting in there with a set point, you know, bean t- bean probe pr- to burner percentage for instance, mm-hmm. ultimately it's the same act. But what we're doing is we're taking, you know, somebody in this case, you know, in my context me, right? And uh, our 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 team, we're we're inputting those set points that we would otherwise manually roast with. So that's sort of an intro to the next points. Um, but to Marley's point, I think it is, and you know, this this tends to be a slippery slope. I think yeah. because it, it it there's an ease of consistency and efficiency when your operation expands. So if you start bringing on new machinery, new staff, if you have a lot of turnover, I think we mentioned in one of the calls, mm-hmm. multiple shifts then it's going to be a really helpful tool to make sure that everybody's really on the same page and approaching each coffee or blend, you know, in a consistent way to give your customer the product that they, you know, are expecting. 
another way to look at this is uh, profile management. Um, not necessarily the data collection aspect, but you know, how do you take your chosen profiles and profiles that you've either qualified or deemed uh, to work for your machinery and manage that in a way that is repeatable and understandable to the operators. Right. So, yeah, that's cool. So on the opposite pers like perspective of this, when do you think people might choose manual roasting over automation, Christian? Yeah, that's a good one. I think uh, we touched on that a little bit, but I think there's a automated roasting. I think the paradigm's probably shifting, and mm -hmm. you guys might see that more, but it definitely seems that it's sort of stigmatized as not mm -hmm. sort of handcrafted um, or, you know, it's, it's, it's losing that connection with the coffee. But sort of as I stated earlier, all the automation is doing is replicating what you normally would do yourself. Right. Uh, yeah, there cool. we go. Yeah. So <laughs> there we go. Um, making that commitment. Yeah. Yep. yeah, yeah. I think um, for, for customers that have al always roasted manually, I think that there's a propensity. Uh, if they buy another roaster, they'll probably, it's likely they'll keep manual because that's, that's what they're comfortable <laughs> with. That's what they're familiar with. Um, some people, I think, believe that if they go into automation, um, they'll lose that connection with the coffee in the machine, and so they just they kind of just want to avoid it. Um, and some other roasters that might roast large amounts of, of single origin in terms of uh, a lot of offerings, uh, but they're not necessarily repeating a lot. They're not a high volume uh, roasting company. Uh, I could probably see someone like that going manual just because so many different coffees are are going into the roaster um and then maybe some people that don't necessarily want their roaster to be riddled with technology um yeah, i could see them kind of wanting to avoid um the the automation that and, and this is not saying that this is my opinions but just more like what i'm seeing as i talk to people um, although uh, when we were roasting a few months ago on our uh, large commercial roaster, um, we were at the end of, I'm just going to tell a story if that's okay. Right? Um, we were at the end of our roast and we were uh, about to, we were dropping out the coffee and it, it does it automatically because this is an automated profile. Um, but then it didn't, the door didn't open up. So it's like, okay, that happens. If you're a roaster, you know that, that, that could happen sometimes. So we hit the, uh, the manually hit the door and tried to open up the door to get the coffee out, and it didn't work. <laughs> and so, you know, that, and luckily it wasn't a dark roast. So we were like, okay, we still have a, we have a few yeah. minutes yeah. maybe before the machine catches on fire here. <laughs> and so we had to disconnect the compressed air and then open the door, which is a heavy door, uh, manually to get all the, all the coffee out. And so, Afterwards, it was such an odd thing for that to happen. We called the manufacturer and we're like, "What's going on? I mean, this has never happened before." And they were like, "Oh yeah, we were just we were adjusting some code in the background on your roaster while you were while you were roasting." And we're like, "Oh okay, gotcha. Okay, you're roasting. okay. Uh, maybe could you stop doing that?" <laughs> so, like, 
we have hard enough time roasting as it is without that. <laughs> so anyway, uh, just I, that that's just kind of for me is like, okay, there is a lot going on besides, you know, just what you see at the surface with some of these uh, sophisticated machines. And when it's all going perfect, it's fant- fantastic, you know, honestly. But, I mean, it, things mess up. You know, and sometimes you can fix it quickly, and sometimes it's a troubleshooting uh, challenge. So, just some people, you know, just kind of weigh that. You know, you know how how much support can I get for this roaster, just in case something kind of goes wrong. So, anyway, that's a little bit on that. Um, so now we're gonna kind of move on to uh, the production impact of using automated roast profiles. Um, so this one's for, for Miles. How does automation impact efficiency and consistency? Hmm. Um, I mean, I think there's a couple of, this is probably most of my answers start out with a couple of different ways to view, <laughs> but um, I, I definitely think there's a couple ways that you uh, can approach this. You know, you can go uh, with the route of looking at um, the data and the metrics behind uh, measuring performance and, and efficiency, definitely. Um, I think for me as as the the curious educator <laughs> role here. Um, something that is, is personally really interesting is looking at um, more so uh, what what's happening uh, in terms of the design and the impact of the design and the engineering. It's kind of like you were just saying, and there's a lot more going going on behind uh, the surface or the interface that you are uh, controlling the, the impact of automation on your profiles. Um, and for me, on, on our roster uh, at the lab, um, it's it's really interesting to to take a peek back and have access to that. Um, I think uh, definitely that the engineering and design of of automation has definitely an impact on not just the chapter that we were just touching on the general sentiment towards it or the perception of it, but also the efficiency. Um, if uh, I was kind of joking around about kind of putzing with with sometimes these different automation systems, and um, it it might. Sometimes if you find that you are adding a new ingredient into the mix in your roast process, that might actually become a little bit more complicated depending on the, the design of that actual interface. But um, in terms of user experience, um, there's, there's a, a really big impact on how, more, how much more productive you could be as a roaster. Um, but I think it's definitely interesting to, to look at that aspect um, for, for me. Um, it's something that's uh, kind of just existing a little bit more invisibly than um, looking at like key performance indicators on, on productivity post-install of a machine with a really uh, advanced or not advanced uh, automation software integrated into it. Yeah. Cool. Um, Christian, how have you seen um, automation impact efficiency and consistency? As you guys know, this is one that I've been sort of mulling over yeah. uh, quite a bit. Um, but just for this first sort of intro, and I'll give to more details in a second, but I think there's definitely a case to be made for both. Mm-hmm. But I think at the end of the day, and this is what I'll go into sort of next, uh, the, at the end of the day, from my perspective, it's the, the greatest value in automated roasting is consistency, repeatability. And that's where... Um, you know, especially at a larger organization. Again, what I touched on earlier with multiple shifts, multiple uh, different kinds of machinery, multiple machine operators, uh, that's really where the true value lies. But then again, after sort of thinking about this more, there's a lot of other angles that I'll go into next. (laughs) Um, 
there was that crazy, well, we were talking about that, uh, that kind of the math um, and the metrics behind being able to measure something like that, too. Yeah. Um, I kind of was interested in actually saying, well, what would the impact be? Yeah. So, for example, if you if you do find that you are that you are saving time, for example, about say if your average average roast day is about twenty batches and you're saving about five minutes oh, yeah. um, in between batches, you know that's a, it's a bit of a dr- dramatic example. But mm-hmm. for each of those batches, if you're saving that time on one year, that's ten extra work weeks of full time labor. Really? Yeah. yeah. No. So it's you know with. Um, you know, me- measuring the value, it's, there's <laughs> definitely a cost-benefit analysis to be made. Well, and that's exactly that. right, because like what, yeah. what we were talking to earlier, we yeah. found that, um, you know, especially if you're managing, you know, I mentioned earlier profile management, right? So yeah. if, if you're managing your profiles in a way where you're really looking at time and, and coffee development, you know, as well as throughput, which I guess I'm just going to go into this in a second. I do that yeah. again, guys. <laughs> <laughs> but if you if you really look into the throughput, there's you know there's cases to be made where depending on the size of your production, if you start getting your times inlined, you can see extreme gains mm-hmm. in in throughput capability um, just with the profile management aspect of it to make sure everything's sort of in line, roasting the way it should, and everybody's on the same page. But yeah. So ultimately, you believe that the automation contributes more to consistency than efficiency, but there are some efficiency benefits from time to time. Yeah, yeah. and and there's you know again there's there's sort of in my yeah. in my view three ways to look at this. Yeah. Um, if anybody's been a production roaster, I'm stealing this from you from the first time we talked. <laughs> but uh, if anybody's been a production roaster. At a certain point, manual or not, you're going to load a batch when it hits your turning point, set the gas, and perhaps start working on some other things until you need to go back and make your next adjustment. So, yeah, so it's sort of just like a nature where we don't necessarily like to admit to the fact that that's what we all do. Right. But um, so so there is an aspect of sort of the multitasking where automation can really help with efficiency. So, you know, for instance, on the commercial scale, you know, we've got, you know, our, our, our roasters, you know, checking the colors, um, checking the moisture levels mm. uh, and sometimes on the commercial level these profiles can be these roast cycles can be quite fast mm-hmm. so it gives them enough time uh, where the machine is running and hitting its set points but it gives the operator enough time to do those color moisture checks um, make adjustments based on that as well as you know get your next work order or pull your next you know, uh, green from the silo, which is a sort of a separate right. HMI. Mm-hmm. So that's one thing where you know we can we can, we find efficiency. Um, and again, what what we were touching on earlier, sheer throughput. You know, in a sense, and this is my argument against efficiency, because a roast cycle, how you have it, whether you're setting it up manually or automated, your roast cycle time is your roast cycle time. So if you're if you're doing a 12-minute, I don't know, roast at a 52, it doesn't matter if you're doing that with a, a gas adjustment knob or set points on a computer screen. Mm-hmm. Your throughput's going to be your throughput. 
you know, multiplied by shift, multiplied by week, multiplied by year. Right. So that's sort of, uh, yeah, my thought on it. Cool. Yep. One, one question that comes up or one kind of general thought is, is there a tipping point that you hit when your company is a, a, at a certain size that you might consider automation? What, what do you think about that, Marley? I've thought about this question a lot, and it sort of builds on what we've all been talking about here. Of course, you hit a volume of coffee. You hit a number of operators. Maybe you don't have a lot of opportunities for mentoring with roasters or educational opportunities with roasters, and so you're getting to a point where there is some inconsistency, and so you choose automation to make your company more streamlined and more efficient but I do have a caveat and I'm sort of Mm -hmm. putting myself out here with this one but my caveat is I think as specialty coffee roasters and companies if you choose to use automation for more efficiency and more consistency then some of those resources that you're saving in efficiency you really need to put towards quality control and cupping so that you make sure that what your goal is is actually happening in real life. Like, yes, you created these awesome profiles. They're working. Your operators are doing well. You know, you're cranking out the coffee. But is it actually good coffee? Like, are the profiles doing what you want them to do? Is it consistent in the cup? And I think that that's sort of the the tipping point moment that I came to in my thinking through this is if you're going to do one, y- you really need to put some resources into, into QC. Right. Yeah, that's great. Um, I was talking to one of the major roast manufacturers, um, and they said that 80% of the commercial roasters that they sell are purchased with automation built in. Um, now, that's a descriptive statement. That's not saying that's prescriptive, you know what I'm saying? Um, so, But that's just kind of like shows that a, a lot of people that are buying these commercial roasters um, like to have it with, with that option. But they said... When people purchase the smaller roasters, oftentimes they, they won't get that add-on of automation on there, which I, th- I thought that was kind of interesting. Um, and just in terms of the tipping point kind of um, question, I, I don't necessarily think that there is a tipping point. I mean, one of the biggest roasters in America I know does not use any automation uh, but other ones that are super big, they do use automation, and they're both bright-minded companies that are doing really good things, but just with very different um, strategies. But I would say if a company is roasting the same blend 20 times in a row manually or something like that, I'd say, you know, I mean, I could see them switching to automation uh, for this just to keep it a little more consistent or if their company has a lot of different roasters, you kind of brought this up, Marley. If they have a lot of different roasters, yeah. um, just to kind of keep one uh, thread of consistency, you know, it just might help depending on, on their education and their process. Because not everyone's going to have a lot of roasting intuition. And so that, that might be a, a, you know, a slight tipping point toward um, the automation and I think it's good to note also, just to sort of piggyback off that for a second, you know, because I know we're talking about sort of 
there, there's, we're talking about this sort of context of small versus big, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. But it's, it's, I don't think any of us are necessarily trying to convey the fact that the tipping point is only when you get bigger. Yeah, yeah. yeah you exactly. know, because there's a lot of value to mm-hmm. be seen at all aspects of this. Yes. It, it, even if it's a one kilo roaster, yeah. you know. Right. But yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Just kind of throwing that out there. Yeah, especially because <laughs> what you were saying about multitasking, sometimes the one-man operation is the one who needs to multitask the most. Uh-huh. You know, they need to go put the stickers on bags and do other things. And yeah. Totally. I mean, in our operation now, I think I can say this. I might get in trouble for it, but we'll see. Um, <laughs> like, you know, we'll, we'll roast like 20 pounds a day or some 20,000 pounds a day, and, and we have one roaster doing that sometimes. One you roaster know. person? One roaster person. <sighs> On, on different machines, on you know, sometimes they're roasting on different machines, and I think bec- it would be challenging for them if uh, they were roasting manually on both of those. Now, we're trying to get them more support. Okay, we're not like you know happy with that. You know, I'd like but to see them do it though. <laughs> that, it was all manual. Exactly. Yeah, punching <laughs> a bunch of buttons. Um, so I mean, I think it's you know again, it comes down to what is your situation uh, like. But yeah, no, Marley, I know. At Geeson, I know that sometimes people would want like a one kilo roaster automated, you yeah, know. Right. So it's it's to that same idea. It doesn't necessarily mean it's <coughs> contingent on the size, you know. It's just what do you have capacity for? What is your skill level of your roasters? Right. And what ultimately would you like to see the reality of your company look like? Right. Um, so we're going to move on into the operation um, using automation automated profiles. So, thinking about this topic, um, Marley, how might you approach developing a profile for a new coffee? Yeah, without getting into, you know, the entire topic of creating profiles. Right, right. um, Because that's like a whole other lecture. But, um, you know, you have to take into account the the normal things that we think about, like the the type of bean, bean size, how it was processed, how you're going to brew it. um, but I would say, if possible, sample roast a small quantity of the coffee, maybe three to five different profiles, cup it, cup it, cup it, um, and then reevaluate which one was the closest to how you want to put your fingerprint on that coffee. What does it have to offer? And then, if necessary, repeat um, until you find that profile. And then, you know, um, use your larger machine. I never put in, I never create profiles on the first roast of a, mm-hmm. of a coffee, um, right. maybe two or three times to kind of nail it and then, yeah, lock it in. Great. And Christian, how about you? What, what would be a <coughs> for developing a Perfect. profile? Perfect. Sorry. Sorry about all that. <laughs> all right. Um, yeah, well, you know, and, and, you know, to Marley's point, when you, when, when you think about a roast profile, you... Obviously, the main goal of the whole roasting process is take, to take a raw ingredient and turn it into a finished good, a consumable product. Um, so with that said, we kind of have to look at both sides of that. So again, the, the green coffee, if it's a blend, but there are indicators that are out there that will lead you to at least a baseline of how that coffee will absorb heat, such as bulk density, moisture content, screen size, 
Is it a single origin? Is it a pre-roast blend, et cetera, et cetera? And then now we look at the finished goods side and what is your goal and what, or what is your customer's goal? Are they looking for a dark roast, a medium roast, a light roast? So those two aspects, you know, or, you know, we can get into brew methods, et cetera, but we're just going to skip that whole thing. So, you know, finish good goal, raw product. Getting from point A to point B, how do we do that? And that's where the profile comes into effect, right? Uh, with all, by gathering information, by looking at the, the raw product and understanding the main goal, and out of experience, there's a baseline that you know might work for this coffee. Mm-hmm. You know, and I know there's been talk over the years about this micro lot from this tablone on this farm on El Salvador is going to roast differently than this one. But, you know, at the end of the day, maybe not. Yeah. But you have a baseline and run that baseline, run one or two ways where, where, where we think will work for this coffee. And as Marley said, it's all about cupping. Go to the cupping table and see if you are reaching your goals with your raw product and the fi- finished good goal of what you're trying to create. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, I think that was something that I, I kind of wrestled with um, when I was m- more just full-time creating profiles, you know, at, at Equator specifically. And when is the profile good to go? Like, when do you stop doing your test roast and say, all right, this this is the one... Um, but I think that it's good, you know, to do a couple test roasts when you get a new lot in. I don't think you need to reinvent the wheel um, every time you get a new lot in or a new coffee. Uh, but I think just taking the time to take a couple different approaches and get as much data as you can from your QC person or the, your green buyer that's bringing in the coffee. You know, if you can understand the density, the, the water activity, all that kind of stuff, that'll help you get to that goal a lot quicker um and then like we kind of talked about um you know figuring out where that is going to be brewed and then being able to like take that test roast and then brew it and just kind of see if you're getting what you wanted out of that coffee did you have some yeah i just wanted to say like you you were saying you don't need to reinvent the wheel which is true i think that you like christian was saying you kind of can know from a lot of your experiences and but at the same time, I have seen companies who use automation be like, oh, this is our natural Ethiopia mm-hmm. profile. Mm-hmm. And they get, <laughs> you know, they're like 10 coffees away from when they created that profile, but they're just still using right. it. And it may be okay, mm-hmm. but that co- you may be missing the potential of that coffee yeah. by just using that profile over and over and over for years and yeah. never. Absolutely, yeah. The yeah. roast. And I also, but I also think, just to play devil's advocate, that's also the goal of the company. Right, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah. If that works for their business, yeah. it works the for their business, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, it's, yeah. Everybody, yeah. True. For some there, people, it works. There was a popped into my head. I shouldn't even said that. No, it, <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't on my cards. <laughs> um, there's a infomercial. I guess it was from maybe the '90s or something like that. They had a catchphrase that the guy on the infomercial would say over and over again. It's you guys can. You can probably say it with me. Set it and forget it. Forget it. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I have that with a lot of different things in my life. Set it and forget it, you know, because mm-hmm. it, you know, keeps my mind free for other things. But I think uh, with when it comes to automation and roasting, sometimes that is the mentality that people want 
to be able to set a profile and then not worry about it again. Uh, I think part of what we're alluding to with some of the things that we're saying is that there is a liability with that mentality to program a roast profile. And then when you program it, I mean, I, I got to be honest, you feel good about it. You tried it out and you say, man, this is tasting really good. I'm so excited to record this profile and all the roasters are going to use this. And But the more attached we get to that profile that we recorded, the more likely we're going to neglect some of the QC protocols that might be needed to make sure that that profile is still tasting good from roast to roast and as you know coffees it's it's an agricultural crop you know it's it gets older and loses moisture and you bring in new crops and it might not be appropriate anymore so i think that that there is some of that um mentality that you have to be careful of so that kind of brings up the question okay how often should you evaluate or reevaluate your profiles marley do you have any thoughts on that? I mean, I've I've heard people say like, oh, every six months you should re- reevaluate, and then as the coffee kind of ages, maybe every three months because you're losing some moisture. But honestly, I, I think you you should be cupping your your production roast every single day, and not just cupping them, but brewing them in the intended brew method, because your espresso might be tasting great as as you're cupping it. But it may be losing a lot of complexity when it's actually a, sh- a shot is pulled. Um, and, and you have to think about the end, like make it easy on the baristas, you know, mm. like make sure yeah. that you're putting out your best, your best put forward, your best, you know, your most consistency that, that you can get. And, and that comes from brewing and cupping. Right. And some coffees may not need to be reevaluated waited for a long time and then some and maybe two months later and you're like wow this really tastes different so right absolutely yeah christian what in your context you know farmers like what protocols do you think could be implemented uh for automated profile context that's a good question (laughs) (laughs) um and this is interesting because i think there's going to be another aspect of this that's kind of just come up recently yeah Um, uh the so with our systems in Portland, for instance, in the the guts of the automation, the guts of the HMI um, are set up to collect roast data and certain indicators and gather that data and spit it out into an access database and pull, and give you a report of every roast that was done, and this is automated <laughs> so this is internal and it collects these these set points so for instance if we know on machine one our first crack is at around 370 it will capture 370 at this time it'll capture your end temperature etc so there's a there's a internal data collection that's happening on this and it creates a report ultimately and it gives you indicators. So outside of the cupping table, you know, yeah. understanding what your profile, your your time should be, your first crack should be for each profile, filtering through the system is a really good way to kind of just keep tabs on it from a from a sort of a hands-off standpoint. Yeah. Right. But then on a hands-on standpoint, 
again, having a, a schedule to revisit profiles or even exactly what you were saying, the, the, the importance of cupping your production roasts to make sure everything's sort of uh, working as you're intending it. Um, also, training is a big aspect of this. Uh, you know, what, what's the question? Are our profiles working? I kind of got a little. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, just what what, what protocols? Kind of protocols. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so it's and and then it's about training as well. So 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 what do the operators? Uh, what do our roasters see? Okay, how, why didn't this work? What happened? Yeah. Oh, the goal was eleven minutes. Why is it at thirteen? Yeah, you know, so it, it's a way to sort of check your equipment if your equipment's working well, mm-hmm. as well as your profile. Right. But then, yeah, at a larger company, uh, interdepartmental communication is is crucial because you know the roasters aren't checking the finished good; right. they're checking the mm-hmm. roast color. Yeah. At the roaster, and we know we have to take into consideration drift and other things mm-hmm. when we're working with the ground product. Um, oxidation and what have you so the connection between the quality assurance team and sort of the roasting is uh is 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 crucial to have those lines of operation open yeah absolutely yeah yeah i mean because i mean if you're in an operation where your roasters are cupping all of their production roasts that that is fantastic i mean everyone should probably strive for that but that's not always the case i mean practically speaking you know so like marley was saying and christian earlier about just having you know back kind of backfilling more of the qc and making sure that they're filling in any gaps and you know ideally having your qc person know a little bit about roasting too you know so that they can have a more efficient conversation about what what might need to happen so we're going to kind of move on into uh the next part which is um this is as we were thinking through this topic we we wanted to think about something that might be a little bit different than just the um the operation and the nitty-gritty of the machine but the actual human impact that that takes place from having someone operate a, a machine that has automated profiles so we just kind of wanted to, to, to look at that. Um, and so this question would be for, for Miles. What do you think the implications are for people that are now overseeing a machine versus controlling it? Yeah, I mean, I think, um, I think uh, this is kind of an interesting area that, as, as we saw developing a lot of the talks, I kept drifting to this mm-hmm. kind of future impact um, right. of increased automation in the roast uh, roast process. Um, Again, I think there's a couple ways to look at this. Um, I think one interesting thing to think about is uh, there's a potential for, um, in terms of the the job market with roasting, there's a potential for um, positions to be a little bit more advanced or a lot of it more advanced um, with having a connection to profiling uh, sensory science, um, roast chemistry, um, that might be a very interesting avenue where if we see increased automation, you have to have a bit more of a specialized background um, with with understanding this the final impact of profiling on coffee. Um, I think another uh, a further entry that we might see is an availability for um, more machine operator roles. Um, I think with 
having this lower barrier to entry, having more entry-level machine operator roles, though we also enter some dangerous territory with having more uh, more people basically touch the, the product and be uh, in that process of a really crucial process of roasting. Um, but we also have to think about engagement. So um, it's very easy to, to have that level of disengagement with uh, on a machine operator level if you're just involved in, um, in pushing the buttons. And I say just involved as in, uh, if that's the, the, the sum of your task is, is pushing buttons and um, kind of focusing just on a machine level and not really so much on the coffee level, I think you're entering perhaps a bit of a dangerous territory with um, no one really appreciating the product or understanding why they should um, stick to that profile that, that's assigned for that specific coffee. Um, I, I think it's definitely an, an interesting avenue that we might venture uh, down in a couple of decades, I'll say, if we see further automation um, coming more, uh, less as add-on packages with roaster manufacturers and more just integrated and you can choose whether you want to use it or not mm -hmm. with roasters. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, so like potentially there, there could be a liability with that, that disconnect of, you know, from the product, from, from the operator. Definitely. Potentially. Yeah. yeah. Um, for, so Christian... Um, how do you address the topic of engagement with employees that are um, that are operating an automated machine? So, in sort of my mind, the whole idea is to merge or sort of marry this idea of automation and education until we get to the point where Miles is, uh, you know laser hoverboard roast profile machine happens. Yeah. Yeah. That was an inside <laughs> joke. <laughs> Forget it, guys. Don't worry about it. But it's sort, sort, of, sort of giving the, the why behind the what, right? So as we, as we know, you know as, when we're roasting, there's different stages in the development. And a lot of the profiles will reflect that, right? So... Yeah, I don't know, taking your heat off at a certain point because, you know, your Maillard reaction is happening or taking heat off, you know, first crack or adding heat at a turning point. You know, how, however you have your profile set up, right? And we all know there's no real perfect way to do it. It's, it's all in sort of, okay, moving past that. But the, the, the idea is to sort of, you know, giving the why behind the what. So, and I think that's really helpful in engagement. So... You know, no matter what the size of a machine, well, I can't say that for everything, but even on a lot of the large commercial roasters, you've still got a trier. Right. You know, so if you're roasting one-ton batches, you've got a trier. You know, so, and that's a way, you know, there's a, there's a saying that, like, your first sort of, uh, your first line of defense of QA or QC is your operators. Mm -hmm. So, how, get, you know, providing the, again, the what behind the why uh, it gives you a lot of benefits. Um, we have a what we call the journeyman program, which is uh, you know providing that information. So roast development, um, green coffee understanding, you know, sort of density, a lot of cupping, things yeah. like that, um, which is really really helpful for the finished product because it's taking a little. It's a little bit more inclusive because mm -hmm. I don't think we're still at a point where it's a hundred percent. We're not, we're not at a point where we're 100% able to completely automate coffee. Mm -hmm. 
Um, again, just because of the inherent variances in the raw product that we're dealing with. And again, that's sort of the exciting part. Um, but even in an automated system, at, say at the very least, the only thing that the operator has control of is the end temperature within a range that's set on your profile. That's still something that needs to be dialed in almost every roast right. because of, again, variance in raw product, um, you know, ambient environmental changes, et cetera. Uh, yeah, and, you know, the idea of sort of giving the tools to understand and engage in, in, in why we're doing this uh, instead of just pressing a bu button is the feedback that is, is, is crucial mm -hmm. for, you know, again, for, for my position as well as, you know, from a maintenance perspective. You know, again, is your burner going all wacky? Are you getting four-minute roasts? Like, if you don't know that that's not the way it should be, you might not tell anybody. So having these sort of, uh, you know, the educational aspect combined with automation is is a very useful tool until we can get to the space age of roasting. Yeah. I think, and I personally think that's been mm -hmm. kind of a, a whole, like, umbrella theme for this entire talk is even though we're looking at automation roasts, and we've also talked about with profiling using historical data and experiences and being able to, to, to quantify that into something, quantify it into a, a flavor or a cut profile, um, just based off of what we've tasted and what we've roasted in the past. Um, and I think just like with having a machine operator as well, that's um, using the data that we already have access to and applying that to the entire team and making sure that there is equal access to that information regardless of what your role is you know of course it might be a little different across um you know like different authority levels if you will but um that's it's i think it all is kind of a theme here is how you are using that data the data is all it's always there right yeah. um but it's it's really an approach of how you use it how you disseminate that what you do with it so, yeah absolutely yeah. yeah um do you guys have any kind of final thoughts Yeah, yeah. Not, I, mean, not, I mean, I think it was, we really <laughs> covered our goals. You know? Okay, cool. I think it's a generally exciting topic. But. It is. Yeah, I, I, I'm. I'm thankful um, for you guys for being here to to think through this with us, but also for us to. It's been so helpful for us to think through this topic because it is a polarizing topic. I mean, I've, I've yeah. definitely heard people say really strong statements on both sides uh, of the conversation. Um, so really what we just wanted to do today is um, think about this concept and think about um, the context in which we've seen it work well and maybe some context that it wouldn't work as well. Um, and then think about the, the production impact and uh, the QC uh, protocols and how you might handle automated profiles. And then just kind of thinking through, like we just talked about, the, the human impact of what are the implications there to your team uh, through uh, implementing automated profiles. So that's kind of uh, what we had prepared to talk. But we also want to you know, consider your questions and would love to hear from you guys and see if we can talk through that as well i might i might have a closing statement actually okay after all christian has a closing statement <laughs> up. well you know and just from a personal perspective so you know we've been working on this for you know i don't know at least a, half a year 
<laughs> but what, what's been really interesting, you know, in the collaboration of the presentation with Chris, Miles, and Marley is, you know, I feel like we've almost challenged each other and ourselves in a lot of ways with our sort of opinions on, mm-hmm. on how, on what we think about this. So it's been a really interesting, you know, reflection on, you know, and benefit to sort of how, at least from my perspective, how we we're going to, you know, build on what we already have in my current position. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it's just been an interesting, yeah. very cool yeah. dynamic. Yeah. Yeah. Hugs cool. all around. Yeah. Um, so, so we'd love to hear from you guys if you have any questions on this topic. And I think there's a microphone right there if you're interested in talk, so the whole group can hear you. Yeah, thank you. Um, when you're establishing profiles and cupping, uh, you know, the different, the different roasts, um, how long do you wait after the coffee is roasted? I mean, I know there's the whole thing about off-gassing. I can taste a real difference between one day and four days. So when you create these profiles, how long do you generally wait? I mean, yeah, we're all, we're okay. all going to say right. the same so, thing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I think. Uh, I mean, I think the just the the spec kind of industry wide spec that we see from the SCA, we have the eight to twenty four hours. Um, but kind of building what um, Marley and, and Christian are saying about having that QC protocol, I think the the best thing to to think of here because obviously there's there's lots of people doing lots of different things outside of SCA spec. Um, the beauty of having an industry standard is that the the standard can be observed and, and known, and then people can uh, sometimes pick and choose how they want to apply that to their business. Um, I think the, the biggest takeaway with the QC protocol is find something that consistently works for your business. The consistency is going to be kind of the biggest, most important part of that. So if you find, uh, based on your schedule, um, if you are a one-person team or if you are a 30-person roaster team, and it works best for everyone to have uh, I, I haven't seen this, but for example, have a full day of cupping just on one day of your work week with every single team member there. If that works best, and that's coffees at multiple different ages, as long as you're doing that consistently, I think that would be highly critical than maybe some people being involved in the process and others not that are critical members of establishing profiles and, and decision making. Um, but for me, that's kind of the starting point is understanding that eight, 24 hours is that industry standard. What you see with a lot of people is just having the, the production cupping the following business day then uh, for the batches that were roasted. Mm-hmm. Okay, and I, thanks. And I, just to add to that, I mean, I'm not going to get in the weeds on this, but, <laughs> I, you know, industry standard, 8 to 24 hours, but, you know, at, at least waiting a day, right? So we, we've established that. But then you've got your whole sort of school of thought when you're, you know, in your smaller sort of specialty cafes, especially with something like espresso, where, you know, in the off-gassing process, the, the different attributes will come out and whatever works for your business. But, you know, you know, try, you know espresso can be kind of a whole different thing. Uh, I think personally, I wouldn't, you know, it'd be like, okay, this is 24 hours and then we track it later. But uh, that's, that's just another way to look at it, right? So, you know, it, it will change as it goes on. But it won't change in a way where it's like, what? This blue color turned into pink. You know, it's not going to be that. This apple turned into an orange, you know. You get a general idea um, if you've hit your goal. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, too, like, um, you know when that coffee is going to hit your retail space, if if that's Mm -hmm. what you're roasting for or for your customers. So, like, if if it 
really is tasting delicious four days out. Mm-hmm. It, like after you roast it, I mean, I would cup it multiple days. Cup it on yeah. if you have the time. Cup it day one, day two, day mm-hmm. three, day four. It tastes awesome on day four. Serve that coffee on day four. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you'll kind of get to know your rhythm and and right. how you can roast to hit those peak moments right. in the yeah. coffee. Yeah. Okay. Thanks for your thanks. Good question. Yeah. Thank you, guys. It's very helpful. Um, I know you're not here to talk about specific equipment, but do you have any? Uh, I'm not familiar at all. I, I roast manually, um, so I'm not familiar with products that are out there on the market. Do you have any success stories or opinions you may want to share on any automation that is not direct from a manufacturer? If there are any third parties that can be retrofitted? Yeah, um, I can speak to this, yeah. I think, a little bit. Yeah, because we're, we were trying not to talk about manufacturers, <laughs> stuff like that. I'm, I'm aware. That. No, no, yeah. You guys appreciate that. strong biases going on here. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, just to kind of keep it, you know, keep it clean. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are some people that do uh, retrofit. Um, I, I'm, I talked to a guy out of Florida um, that, that, that does that. He's here today. Um, so, I'm not, you know, I can tell you probably give, be, give you his great. information after this. Wonderful. Um, but there's a few people that do it, I think. so. And uh, in, in your experiences, again, without naming the specific names, I suppose, mm-hmm. uh, would you say that that's generally a successful venture, retrofitting automation? Yeah. I mean, since I haven't done it myself, I can't speak too authoritatively with that. But, I mean, I would just want to find out who has used that before and, and talk to those people Great. instead of maybe talking to the person that is selling it to you. Right. You know? Yeah. Um, and also, uh, you know, as Chris talked about in the beginning, m- make sure you understand which way it is controlling your coffee. Cause right. it really does make a, a big impact impact on your product. Um, and, and then once you know how it's controlling it, like which type of automation, maybe even though you're not, Buy some coffee from some some of the manufacturers who, who use that same type of automation, even if it's not the exact same automation that you're using. So if it's the same automation as a ProBot or a Loring, buy some coffee from a company that's that's using that type of automation and, and see if you can if yeah. it's tasting good. Yeah, yeah, totally. Because I think you have to ask um, what is the problem that you're seeing that automation will solve, maybe. Everything you just talked about. Okay, yeah. cool. <laughs> awesome. Thanks. Yeah. Thank you. Well yeah. put. Yeah. <laughs> oh, also, we're not trying to slam like salespeople in here. Either. No, yeah. no. Yeah. It's just sort of come, come from sort of an unbiased perspective. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Hey, how you doing? Uh, I'm Rich. I, I roast for a 30 store chain in Pittsburgh. And um, uh, first off, I just want to say. Um, I find this subject a little bit absurd. Um, it doesn't happen with baristas. When you're on bar, when you're on bar, who is against automation? Who's against time grinders? Who's against volumetric machines? You know, do we all agree that that has all improved the quality of the product? And anybody who says no is kind of nuts. You know, it's been proved. So, like, I guess our industry kind of needs a Matt Perger of roasting. You know, a Ben Kaminsky, that kind of guy, <clears throat> who's going to show that this stuff is repeatable and successful time and time again, just like what he did with volumetric machines. Now, I've used, um, and this kind of piggybacks on the last gentleman's question, I had a cafe before I got involved with this, and because of our location, I couldn't do any venting. That left me with one choice. Mm. 
Yeah. And that was to use the Fresh Roast box, which you guys probably know that runs off the color track and whatnot. Okay. <clears throat> no trier, no nothing, no sensory anything. Yeah. <clears throat> um, yeah. And I beat some real good, like, brand-name third-wave roasters at, a cu- at the cuffing table, you know. So it can be done. There's a lot of problems with it. Yeah. I mean, when you blow one because they're doing a firmware update or whatever, right. you know, you probably blow two or three right in a row until that stuff takes, you yeah. know. But it does work. And that kind of leads me to the question I really wanted to ask was, of the things that you can measure and change and control, um, like what would you think would be the most important one to automate and the most reliable one to automate? That is a good one. Can I follow up your question with sure. a question? Do you when you think when you say the things that you can change? Do you mean the roaster variables, like the yeah, burner, yeah, the air, like it, this? Yeah, exactly. That's what exactly. you're asking about. It's kind of funny that I see you know, like I personally know a lot of guys who do San Franciscans and Dietrichs, and yeah, especially San Franciscan guys are like you know purely, you know, we're we're gods of the our universe here and whatever. Yeah, but it's like, dude. You know, you really need some more airflow in that thing to be able to do more stuff. You know, so it's kind of weird that we're talking about automation and a lot of roasters that are being built, you know, still don't have capacity to even, like, you know, change the variables around that much. Oh, I was just going to say, I think that point kind of touches on even what Miles was talking about earlier about the romance. Like, there's just two types of thought. It's like art versus science, and there's two different camps, and... Um, there are some people who just they love interacting with the roast every single time and even if it's inconsistent it's high quality inconsistency so it it doesn't matter as much to them you know and so um, yeah I think that 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 answers the question as to why maybe some people don't want to use it Um, but obviously we know that there are are pros and cons and and a lot of pros to using automation I had a Oh, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, I was saying, go ahead. I had an old boss, and some people in this room might know exactly who I'm talking about. But he said that if, and I am not repeating this as something I believe in, but he would say that our goal is not consistency, it's to create an amazing product. Which I think, you know, can be debated, right? Because we need to provide our customers with their needs. But... As far as the variables that are most important to be controlled, I mean, and I might come from a sort of a different school of thought, uh, and I, I'm just going to go out there and just say this. A uh, roasting drum is a roasting drum. You know, uh, you know your airflow settings, once you have them dialed in, or probably your airflow settings. So heat application is still the number one, right? Because what you're doing is you're cooking that coffee at certain points to get out you know, your, your flavor profile, your aromatics, et cetera, control the acidity, whatever your goal is, and then bring it to a roast level of your choosing to develop your, you know, your finished good, right? Yeah. Yeah. So that's just a baseline, very simple, and from my perspective. Yeah, I think back, you know, to your question for me, it would just be like, what kind of heat transfer do I prefer for, for my profile? And, 
and that has a lot to you mentioned the drum like what kind of drum do you want a stainless drum do you want perforated some d- carbon yeah. steel I mean there's there's some different things sure. going on and even like and the, the great thing thank, thanks for your question by the way you know um, <laughs> the, the great thing about it is you can adjust anything on these roasters I mean they come to you a certain way but I mean, I mean I know we've done a ton of stuff to ours to, to make it the way we, we want it you know adjusting like where the burner is you know, all these kind of things, air, all that kind of stuff. So, yeah. I, I kind of want to chime in on the earlier part of your question, too, just because um, I, I personally feel like there's there's quite a lot of champions uh, for uh, roasting automation. Um, I think there's probably a couple uh, in the room, uh, maybe some on the panel. Um, but, I mean, I think I – think, um, I think we maybe see a difference in terms of uh, how it is championed and also where just – um, because when you when you consider um, and looking at the maybe the business side of things, not value in these roles in the coffee chain, but for the barista to um, experiment a little bit more with uh, coffee preparation and automation's role in that versus a, a batch of coffee in in a medium sized production context, let's say on a a half bagger, full bagger roaster, um, the 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 monetary value of such an uh, experimentation, say if both get thrown out, we have a really different level <laughs> yeah, of value attached to that. Disparity. And I think that is maybe one really huge reason why some people are a little bit, um, not some people, but uh, baristas and roasters, for example, might be a little bit more keen on experimenting with new equipment um, or having further automation in their coffee preparation practice versus roasting practice. I think that is yeah. definitely a very large reason. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's... Yeah. Um, we have a couple more minutes if anyone has any further questions. Hey guys, so uh, uh, if you are going to go down the automation path, I'm wondering how important do you think it is to actually roast the batch volume that you're going to intend on roasting? Like, uh, for example, you use your one pound trial roaster and then you move over to your, your 50 pound production roaster. Like, how how uh, how sure are you getting that it's going to be consistent between the two roasters? Should you actually do 50 pounders? I'll take that <laughs> if you guys don't mind. <laughs> and again, please please feel free, everybody, to, yeah. to tell me if you disagree with this. But the the idea behind that would not be a direct profile transfer. It would not be a direct correlation. There's many reasons why. Even if you have two, I'll just say you know, what are the P-series now, the ProBot? Mm-hmm. Like a P5 and a P5. They're going to roast differently. Um, and a lot of that has to do, you know, again, you know, not with the same thing, but the thermocouples are going to be different. There's just a lot of variables that are that machine's, some people call it personality, <laughs> right? Which is a kind of a good way to look at it, you know, in a way. But the, the, the goal there would be if you have a one kilo and then you're going up to your 12 or, you know, eight bag roaster is to sort of see what that coffee has to offer um, and then just through the experience with a larger roaster understand how that develops coffee and transfer the main elements not the profile itself like it's not just like a paint by numbers in a sense but you will be able to explore what that coffee has to offer based on again the raw material your end goal and to see if you're achieving that and then now you then now you scale up to the bigger one but you always have to understand that you're going to probably waste some coffee. Yeah, you know, and and again, that's why you know we could. There's there's plenty of creative outlets for that also. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it should be part of your business, actually. I'll push that. <laughs> you know, yeah. And yeah. How, how about uh, roasting one pound on your five-pound roaster versus doing the five-pound? Do you think it's going to be so close that it doesn't matter? I, I think it, it comes back to how how the how the automation works. You know, because like say you're doing the burner-centric model, where if if you had five pounds in the roaster and you turn your burner up to eighty percent in the beginning and then you put one pound in and it just pops up to 80%, that's not really going to work. But it, but if it's using a different variables to create the profile, then it, it should be the okay. there's interaction with the beam probe to affect the variables on the roaster, then, yeah. Right. Is your question, will a smaller load size act differently on the same profile in the same machine? Uh, or larger, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay, so, yeah, so time is your... So you're, you're part of your profile, right? So say it's 11 minutes. Mm-hmm. If you're using the same burner setting, let's just think specifically of burner, and you put in less volume, that's going to speed the time up. So you're not going to replicate the same profile. So you need to adjust you know, all of your adjustments to sort of hit that line or, or, your, or your indicators. And some of the newer right. technology coming yeah. out. Like, I, I, that was like a segue was, into I miles know, right yeah. here. It's only because <laughs> I was just raving about this before we, before we started the lecture is that there's now roast automation software where um, there's uh, batch size calculators integrated into the interface. And there's there's um, example of this would be uh, having different batch sizes and uh, in between your rec- your manufacturer's recommended batch size. So say 20 to 100 percent is the recommendation. Um, there would be an interface basically, or there exists an interface where you can look at those different batch sizes and uh, have a recommendation for what's called an IBS in this specific interface, your initial burner setting. Um, So initial burner setting and then also a charge temperature recommendation. Not only do you get the recommendation, you can also choose to integrate that into the profile that you're about to do. Um, But I think that's just one example of how we see, you know, a lot of these manufacturers, they see the need uh, and the topic is out there and they're coming to the table with uh, a way to to not fix the problem but to address it. I was just going to say really quick, a more old school way to kind of fix that is to have multiple profiles. So if you know you're going to be doing full batches and half batches or full batches and quarter batches of a certain coffee, then just create more than one. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Anything else? Cool. I think we're... No, 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 it's fine. I'm just going to go way in the weeds. I think we're we're, uh, moving toward the end now. So um, thank you guys for joining us today for this. And thank you to our panel. Appreciate it. Hope you guys enjoy the rest of the show. You've been listening to a talk from the SCA Lectures podcast series. To hear more on topics relevant to the specialty coffee industry, visit www.scanews.coffee and subscribe to this lecture series. Thanks for listening.